Hey there, Ali Clarkie with you. Eddie Barlin here too. Arriba! The reason why is because he generally thinks he is one step closer to getting 100 tacos by Friday. Yes, another day, another successful trade on the way to getting 100 tacos Friday morning. I, I think you've actually pulled yourself out of the quagmire. I yeah. was a bit worried for you when all you had was two kilos of lollies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Another successful trade. A one successful yeah, trade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Out of three. It's good. Yeah. Though. All, all right. right. Find out what he swapped two kilos of lollies and a push pop for. Uh, also, we gave you an ethical dilemma considering that my eldest daughter's school put a piano concert on at six o'clock the night of Melbourne Cup Day. <laughs> Do you stay for the entire concert or can you leave after your own child has performed. Um, we had Julia Morris yeah. in as well. It was a really good morning, actually. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised as you are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make him an offer again. Shane Lowe's Swapsies. You know how you always have that special friend and you stand back and you just watch them car crash their way through life? Yep. Is that That's me? Shane. Oh, Shane. Look, if you've just joined in on this, essentially he had a five metre by five metre marquee. He went and bought it and he didn't read the box with his mum and it's way too big for his house and they wouldn't take it back. So he's going, well, what do I do with this? And he's useless. He'd never sell it on Gumtree. And I said, well, why don't you swap it for something? And you thought by the end of the week you want to swap it for... A hundred tacos. Him high. Hence the music. Now, we watched him in silence as he swapped a really expensive marquee for a kid's desk. Yeah, hutch. Desk hutch. Then we had to sit there in silence and watch you swap a kid's desk for now two kilos of lollies and a push pop. Yeah. It gets better. <laughs> well, I can tell you, we actually have some takers. Let's oh, go to the phones, right. 8300-1023. Lisa from Millswood, I believe your son's at school. He's a 14-year-old, but he would like to do a swap. He would like to do a swap, um, Ali and Shane. Yes. Mm-hmm. He has a little business called Shoe Sense, and Shoe Sense are essential oil sprays for smelly shoes and feet. Oh, this and is cool. And we just assume, Shane, that this is good for you. And he's even willing to swap every cent. So he's got five in the range. Yeah. So five bottles of shoe scents. Mm. So that's worth $60 wow. for two kilos of lollies. That's okay. not bad. Wow. And when you say you would assume uh, it's good for me, <laughs> is that something our producers told you to say? No, not at all. Okay. I just kind of figured, you know, don't go shopping much. Yeah. You're a Boy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, Am I right, though, Shane? I mean, Am you I know, right? you've nailed it. Yeah, absolutely, 100% correct. Completely not wrong, Lisa. All right, so that is in the running for the swap. Lisa, thank right. you, and congratulate your boy. What yeah. a cool kid, oh, yeah. 14 years of age doing that. Jeff from Elizabeth Park, what do you have to swap for our lollies? Uh, yeah, good morning, guys. Uh, how about I've got a couple of brand-new boxes of COVID test strips. <laughs> yes. And I'll... Uh, and I'll chuck in a bottle of sanitizer for you. <laughs> okay, it's like a, I'm a doctor. I give you, you give me COVID tests. I give you a lolly. Yeah, that works <laughs> on okay. a grand there scale. You okay. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. Leanne of Huntfield Heights. All right, two kilos of lollies and a push pop. What have you got to swap with Shane? I've got two two-seater maroon couches that have got reasonably good cushions. Um, (laughs) No, the cushions are really good. They've been stored inside. Just the the rest of the couch needs a little bit of a clean, but it'll come up really good. Almost looks looks great. Looks really great. So, okay, so the cushions were left inside, but the couch part was left outside. (laughs) Um, the couch part is stored outside, but underneath my veranda. Okay. All right, Leanne. Thank right. you. Thank you. Tracy of Ingle Farm, what have you got to swap? 
Oh, yeah, I was just driving my daughter, my 13-year-old, to school and her eyes lit up when you talked about the lollies. Right. So yep. she has a pair of um, unicorn slippers to give away. <laughs> they're, they're ladies' um, mm-hmm. one-size-fits-all slippers mm-hmm. and... All right. I have a big, massive unicorn head with a horn on the front. Tracy, I love this. Here's the thing. Mum left the other day and she left two pairs of those at my house. <laughs> so, and I do appreciate the Thank offer. You, Thank Tracy. you, Tracy. Let's finish up with Sue from Gamaraka. Righto, Sue. What have you got to swap for a push pop and two kilos of lollies? Well, I have got a row machine. <laughs> a rowing machine. machine. Yes. Um, uh, the neighbour the neighbor gave it to us and it's never been, it's hardly been used. And I thought, well, I've got a nine-year-old that would love those lollies. I love the fact that you're swapping out the exercise equipment <laughs> yeah. and taking on the sugar. This is yeah, huge. Yeah, why not? Okay, and we can guarantee that it works even though it's never been used. Oh, uh, it has been used and it does work okay. and it's fairly new. All right. It was an 80-odd-year-old man that bought, uh, that gave it to us and he hardly oh. used it. God, I'd be well, that kill surprised him. me, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right, okay, so there we go. We have got some feet sense, some COVID testers, um, a two-seater couch right. with various conditions, two Reasonable of those, in fact, um, women's unicorn slippers and the rowing machine now. Yeah. This is it, because this is the one. This, you've only got one more day after this to get 100 tacos for whatever you choose here. Yes. Uh, give me a song to think about it. Can I do that? Okay. All right, I'll come uh, back and I'll make a decision. Do I have to make a decision what, now? What do you reckon yeah. you should go I mean, for? I, I mean, well, I know what he should go for, but I think I know what you're going for. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I'll make a choice next about what is going to get me 100 tacos Friday morning on the show. This is possibly one of the most important decisions you will make in your life because you set yourself a task of swapping out your 5x5 five five marquee for 100 tacos by Friday. So whatever you end up with today, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, you've really got to make a good choice I don't, Well, it is my dream. I mean, okay. I've always dreamed of having 100 tacos. I've also dreamed about, this is a weird one, is uh, doing the salsa while eating salsa. <laughs> <laughs> someone make that happen? <laughs> so, Sue. You're an idiot. Sue. All right. Have you got it down to two? Because we yeah, have a lot yeah, of offers oh, yeah. there. Okay. Yeah. okay. Well, I, I mean, I love the, the ointment, the, the foot spray. The, the scent. I think that's lovely. But yeah. he, he sounds like he's, he doesn't need my help. He's, no, this right. is going gangbusters. Yeah, well, and you've given it a plug too. So yeah. well done, Tom. 14-year-old Tom. Is doing so that. I believe it's row, row, row your boat this morning. Oh. Sue. Yes. Wow. Sue from Gummaraka, you are now the proud owner of a push pop and two kilos of lollies that have come via Elizabeth, I think they started, um, and we need the rowing machine, I guess. Fantastic. Now, is the rowing machine easy to drop off, Sue? What are the delivery details? <laughs> Uh, well, you would have to come and pick it up, I'm oh, afraid. Oh, you see, you should have asked that beforehand, Shane. Yeah, oh, no, okay. here comes some fire. I don't have a toy bar, so, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. That's yeah. why it's been sitting in the shed. <laughs> okay, the more oh, you talk about, okay. the less I want it. But thank it's you, Sue. I'm, take, I'm taking the, the rowing machine off you. Thank All right, you. okay, there you go. Thank well, you. I'm, I'm really proud of you because, dead set, given your current status of life, I'm pretty sure you would have gone the unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I was banking. I can tell you my husband has just texted in and just said, look, pure charity, I'm going to trade him uh, three quarters of a box of Corona because it's the closest you'll get to Mexico or the tacos. <laughs> oh, see, that's why Matt's one of the nicest. He's oh, like, a really man. nice guy. He's puzzled yeah, about yeah. Hey, look, I've got an ethical quandary and I need your help on 8300 uh, We've got tickets for Lewis Capaldi yeah, up for grabs, the best awesome. caller this yeah. morning. Um, great concert. And that's kind of where I'm going on this. Now, we are about to hit peak kid concert time, right? End of school concerts, Christmas concerts, all that sort of stuff. Hmm? Yesterday, <clears throat> Melbourne Cup Day, 
What do you expect? Well, what do you normally expect on Fashion, Makeup Day? Yeah, sneakers, fashion, muscle yeah, money. Stuff going on, yeah, there'll you know? be a sweepstake in your yeah. office maybe. You might be lucky enough to go to a charity event or something like that, yeah? Yeah. I'll tell you what you don't expect on Melbourne Cup Day. What? Your kid's school to call itself a piano concert at 6 o'clock at night. God. <laughs> Not even making this up. And my, my daughter came home. She was, you know, pretty terrified but so excited. Mum, we're at a piano concert. I've got to play. And I've gone, oh, yeah, Dad, when's this? Oh, I don't know. Anyway, she finally gets it through to me. Melbourne Cup Day on evening, 6 o'clock. I'm like, okay. So I'd already committed to going and supporting the Jodie Lee Foundation and all this sort of stuff. Um, and I'd said to my husband and said, okay, you're going to have to pick me up and we're going to go to this concert. Mm. So he did. 5.45, I get the call. Right, I'm out in the front of this certain watering establishment. We're on our way. I said, yeah, no worries, darling. And so I totter out there and, you know, my, my Melbourne Cup finery. I walk into the concert and Eloise has stood up horrified going, why are you dressed so fancy? <laughs> <laughs> Every other responsible parent is just, you know, appropriately dressed. I've, you know, I've ripped my fascinator off on the way in, but I am wearing a full-on dress and coat and everything else. Anyway. Look, it was brilliant. It, you know, I was so proud. My heart was bursting. I knew how nervous she was. She got up and she did an amazing job. But here comes the ethical quandary. Mm. Can you leave a performance once your child has finished? Absolutely, yes. Oh. No quandary there at all. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> you can't, though, because that's not fair, right? Hang on, where, okay, in the in the concert lineup, where where did she sit? Oh, she was early. She was early. Yeah, how she was early. Like first two or three? Second or third, yeah. And how many would have come after her? Well, I w- would have had to stay around. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> now, I did stick around and I w- and it was brilliant. And it was really gorgeous looking at all the other kids. And, look, I may have had a little, a couple of bubbles under my belt. So I was standing ovation <laughs> to every child. I was so proud of all of them. I was tearing up for some of them. They were amazing. That could have gone the other way. I you know. could have been standing up heckling them. Get off! But... Can you leave a performance once your loved one or your child has finished? Same as if you're going to a presentation night. Can you leave once your loved one has got their medal or their participation award or whatever it is? All right, here we go. 8300 1023. The phones are open. Let us know. And you could be going along to Lewis Capaldi. I don't think you'd want to leave his performance. Can I ask you what you wanted to leave for if you were thinking about leaving? Something better than your child's performance? Sanity. Dumplings. (laughs) Dumplings. <laughs> We're asking you the ultimate ethical quandary. Can you leave a performance once your child has finished? Prudence from Marland, good morning. What do you do? Good morning. Yes, 100%. I only want to see my kids. Respectfully, I don't enjoy watching other people's kids, especially, you know, when they're not that good or even they're young. <laughs> so I always, um, you know, sit near the back to be, you know, respectful to the diehards at the front, but I always, you know, fake a phone call. I'm like, sorry, I'll take this outside, walk outside, and then I ne- never come back. Oh, my God, Bridget. You are militant about this. Goodness. Yeah, I've got, well, I've got three kids, and they all do dance, and the dance recitals go forever. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you just, you've got to, I don't, I don't have time to sit there for, you know, three-hour blocks for all three of them at a time. I love, I love that you've called it the diehard dance mums up the front. <laughs> Prudence is just up the back. All right, I'm going to look for you at the next concert I'm at, Prudence, just to follow your lead. All right. Uh, keep the calls coming. 8300-1023. There you go. Prudence saying, yeah, of course you can. No one's got time to look at other people's kids. What do you think? There are some ruthless people out here. I love this. We're just asking if you can leave a performance once your child has finished their little section or your loved one All right, has finished their little section. 8300-1023. Amy from Hallett Cove. 
All right, what do you do? Look, technically you shouldn't. In fact, a lot of schools will actually put on the note you can't leave mid-performance. But we all know we want to. We want to get home and watch our reality TV shows. You've just got to be prepared. You've got to have the excuse ready to go, whether it's that you've got to go to work, you've got a sick grandmother at home, or you can even fake getting a phone call, like organise it with the other partner or a friend that says, you know, oh, my gosh, there's been an emergency at home. I have to leave now. It's all about preparation. Righto, Amy. Thank you very, very much. Kylie of Paraka, we're about to hit peak kid concert season. What do you do? Um, Definitely not. No. You have to stay for the whole performance and watch everyone. It's, and honestly, I did stay, Kylie, last night and I was I was clapping every kid. I was so excited for them. All right, so you're saying you have to sit through it all. Thank you. Kirsty of Oakton, Ethical Dilemma, can you leave your child's concert once they have done their bit? Yeah, firstly, Ali, I, I can actually relate to the Melbourne Cup scenario because I had to go to my um, daughter's basketball game last night in my finery <laughs> and I actually forgot to take my fascinator off um, because it was attached to my hair and I walked in like a drowned rat too because I bolted from the car. Um, and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, why is everyone looking at me? Like, what? Anyway, but regardless of that, and I was cheering very loud, um, my daughter's first concert's coming up and there is no way known that I'll be able to leave yeah. because unfortunately all of her friends know me as well because uh, yeah, yeah. I'm that and loud if, mum. And if They'll you walk like, out... Auntie Kirsty, Auntie Kirsty, how do you reckon I went? And I'll be like, oh, you're amazing. <laughs> God, all right, so you're staying I'm, through the entire thing. I'm staying through the entire thing, and I wouldn't miss it anyway because it's so cute. Okay, Kirsty, enjoy your child's first concert. See you in 12 years. <laughs> See what you're saying then. Kerry of Lewiston, can you leave after your child has finished their performance? 100%. It's a rite of passage. Like, by the time our children start childcare and they have to do the childcare concerts, you're doing 16 years of concerts. And the... The really horrible schools put the little kids last. Yeah, they do, don't so they? they're tired and they're angry and they're frustrated <laughs> and then the parents are losing it. It's like they do it on purpose. And I'm sorry, but if they put in a note saying, you have to stay, um, I'm going to ignore that because I pay the fees. So <laughs> I'm, I'm not just going to sit there and be told to do something outside of school hours. I already have pupil free days with my child. Kerry, can I just say... Can I just say, I'm watching Shane Lowe's face and you are the greatest contraception <laughs> that has ever been on radio. Thank you. Thank you so very, very much. Plenty of people blowing up the socials on this. Lee says, yeah, nah, if the parents of the last act have to suffer through every other performance, then it's only fair that the parents of the early performance sit through the whole thing too. <laughs> Our next guest is really starting to annoy me. She's a comedian. She can sing. She can write. She can act. She can host. And now she's going back on a stand-up tour. Good morning, Julia Morris. Well, good morning. That's because I've had 75 years in the business. <laughs> I've had to have a go at everything just to survive. <laughs> is there anything you can't do, though, seriously, Julia, that you've had a crack at? I don't think we've got the time <laughs> for me to even start to give you the list of things I cannot do. So I'm pretty vocal about the things I can. Well, we cannot wait to see you getting out on tour. I am so looking forward to it because that is my original stock and trade. Mm. Stand-up is the lifeblood that runs through me. 
most comedians. That's what we want to do, get back out with our audiences and have a bit of a laugh and have a really nice exchange of energy. I mean, you've been for, well, to pretty much every major comedy festival in the world. Who have you stood back and watched and just thought, mate, this is the funniest thing or the funniest person I've ever listened to? I worked with Whoopi Goldberg at the Montreal Festival and standing side of stage and watching the absolute master was incredible. But back in the 90s, which, you know, when I talk about my 75 years, <laughs> I hosted a film premiere that was a film premiere for Robin Williams. And the idea was that the movie company were hoping he would do some stand-up after the movie had been shown at the after-show party. So I got to stand on the stage with Robin, kind of interview him at first, and then off he went. Talk about watching the Masters, watching Robin Williams a centimetre away from him while he did that. I, I ended up having to kind of back off the stage so that he could just had the stage to himself. And every time I attempted to leave, he'd be like, don't go anywhere, I'm not up here for long. I'd be like, no, absolutely. And I've got photos of me kneeling beside him so that, you know, all the focus would just be on his face and not on me, the total featured extra standing beside him. <laughs> Was he just a pure stream of consciousness guy? Like, I kind of think a bit like Ross Noble, right? You just He just starts talking absolutely. and just is genuinely funny. Well, also, just a real build-up of brilliance. If you're talking about in likes of, you know, Ross Noble and Robin Williams, yeah. the reason why it started out as a Q&A was because he didn't want to do a stand-up gig. He was really clear about it. He's just like, I'm not match fit. I haven't been up there in ages. Mm. And my God, there is something about the pure comic that when you do stand on the stage, the you know, the poor old pilot light never turns off. But oh, if you accidentally send the pilot to, you know, full flame, uh, you're not getting off, <laughs> off the stage. So it was uh, one of those tremendous moments in life that I will never forget. So you're going to be back for season nine of I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. Then you're going to be a contestant on another show called Taskmaster Australia. Yeah. And what, fit in a tour? Yes. But surely now you can put some cool things in your rider. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh, yes. I'm not really a drinker, so I have to have all sorts of different sweeties, coconut ice, um, <laughs> uh, chocolate bullet. There's all sorts of things in my rider. You know, there's no great secrets, but there's always a lot of sweeties. See, all I'm picturing now is you also taking that rider when you host I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, and, you know, oh. Dr Chris Brown walks in with that incredible jawline and physique, and you've got your chocolate bullets and your coconut Loading ice there. the bullets into the front of my mouth. He's used to it now, my mad sugar ins insanity. But you know what? The doctor makes his own chocolate. And that is not a euphemism. <laughs> he absolutely oh, makes come his on. own chocolate. Of With course he does. Berries. Oh, I don't even know what a goji berry is. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. so he has this hilarious kind of little slim chocolate that he's made in the private home and I'm just loading in commercial sweets at a moment's notice. We cannot wait to see you. Now, you're going to be here at the awesome Thebby Theatre in June of next year. So Chrissy's coming up. Start thinking of tickets, I reckon, you know, for yeah, someone well, else. Yeah, like a long way off, but in actual fact, it's the perfect Christmas prezi for your mama or your lady friend. <laughs> That's the it's, ad. Um, <laughs> yeah, got to be <laughs> And just put it in there with a whole heap of chocolate bullets. That'd be great. I mean, stuff me in your stocking. I've literally been saying it for years. <laughs> Thanks, Julia Morris. As always, always Love lovely to see guys. you. See you, buddy. Bye, darling. <laughs> It's time for another profession confession. And we're going to a man, well, his name might sound familiar to you. Ian Mannix, good morning. 
how you going, Alice? I'm good. Now, I've known of you for a long time and you are now the assistant editor for digital news at Cosmos Science, but what I'm really interested about in this profession confession is that you do drug trials for companies. I did, yeah. Okay, so how does it work? <laughs> how does it work? Well, first of all, you get your own courage of your own convictions and decide <laughs> if this is for you. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's not for everybody. Uh, and then there's a whole variety of different drug trials you can do. I chose to do some initially because it's good for science. It's good for our community, for people to be guinea pigs, to be tested on drugs so that the scientists can develop new drugs. So from an altruistic point of view, it was a great start. But the second part then is I also discovered they pay you for it. And the third part is you can go and wait, for example, in the CMAX clinic for anything up to a week or two or three and lie in bed, do your emails, watch a bit of TV, relax, they feed you, not very good food to be fair, and then they burrow around and test you on a variety of drugs, some of which are placebos, that's great, and some of which are literally under trial and they're hoping, of course, to discover whether or not there are any problems with those drugs. Right. So I've done both the free ones and the paid ones, and I think I'd really encourage the community to get behind our science and say to themselves, well, actually, we need guinea pigs. Okay, so when you say you get paid, I mean, how much are you talking about? It varies a little bit. The free ones, they'll give you a taxi fare and your you know, parking fees, but for somebody like CMAX, which is a commercial clinical trial, they'll pay you something like 350 a day. It varies a bit if you do one week, two weeks, three weeks. The biggest check I got was $7,000. But there are some university students, for example, who are getting double that. And it really contributes to their ability yeah. to stay in Australia. There's a fair number of people who are on pensions doing it as well. Mm. So it can add up, but you have to be prepared to stay in the clinical trial for some time. Were you ever nervous about what they were giving you? Because you are a human guinea pig in this. I was never nervous, although in hindsight I should have been. But no, I was never nervous because they give you a very great deal of information about what they're doing, what's in the drugs. They tell you what happened when they tested the drugs on animals. I come from a family that's loaded with health professionals, so we did the due diligence. So no, I never had any issues, except once when they came back to me and during the testing phase and said, we've discovered an anomaly in your heart. Oh, God. That was before they um, gave me the drugs. And then I had to go and see my cardiologist and he discovered that I did indeed have a little tiny hole in my heart and that made me a bit worried about other things, but that had nothing to do yeah, with the trial. Okay. So, no, there's not really any reason to be nervous, I don't think. Okay, all right. So you've done five or so of these trials in Adelaide and some you think you're on the placebo? The first one, I was definitely considered myself to be on the placebo. It was like lying in bed for three days in a hotel room with absolutely no impact at all. You don't ever get told if you're on the placebo, by the way. Oh, you don't at the end. In fact, they encourage you not to talk about what's going on inside the clinical trial because that can impact yeah. on people's feelings and understanding. So you never find out. But yeah, I think the first one I did was pretty simple and straightforward and I got a bit lucky there. See, what you've just described, three days in a hotel room, just watching telly <laughs> is pretty much every housewife's dream. So like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. All right. Well, so stick with us because this is when it's all gone well. Next, we're going to ask him if he's had any horror stories. On the Ali Clark Breakfast Show. Profession Confession. Yeah, we're still talking to Ian Mannix. He essentially is a human guinea pig, right? We're talking to him about drug trials. Now, so far we've heard all the good sides. You know, you can make money, you can hang out in bed, you get free drugs or placebos, whichever way that works out. It seems to be all upside. But come on, Ian, did you ever have any drugs or would you, was in the middle of a drug trial and you had some bad stuff happen? 
Yeah, I had one drug which was trying to assist with Crohn's disease. It had a fairly dramatic impact on my stomach and I had explosive vomiting and then fainted oh. in the clinical trial. Oh that took me by God. surprise. But don't worry about that. There was a younger woman in the bed too up and she looked up after I recovered and the lights and sirens went off in the clinic. She said, I want to have what he's having. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, and is that the only kind of negative reaction you had? Along the, way. Uh, the last one that I did, when I say the last one, I'd be prepared to do these again, but I've just got this great new job at Cosmos magazine. Yeah. But yeah, no, the last one I did was something similar, but this time it was explosive diarrhea of <laughs> such a level that I actually fainted on the toilet and found myself in a fair bit of strife, as you can imagine. And again, that was taking a drug that had an impact on my digestive system and those two trials were both brought to an end early but look in both cases after a short period fully recovered no damage and look they did a range of tests and it turned out there was no medium to long-term damage but at the time it was pretty dramatic I don't want to vomit in a clinic ever no. again and <laughs> wake up with four or five people standing around going are you all right so Ian though I was with you when you were at the start of this saying do it for the good of science we need people to do this because we need to actually have humans try these drugs I mean goodness imagine you know everything that we've gone through to get something you know to combat COVID for example but I don't know if I'm with you with the explosive diarrhea and the vomiting <laughs> unfortunately Ali other people were with me with those two cases oh, and it's not good for them goodness. either but the important thing is you can choose amongst a variety of drugs if I yeah. just stuck with my initial two drug trials which were neurological and then none of that would have occurred some people already have illnesses and they can get trialed for those so you can really have a look at it and make a decision on your own about whether this thing's going to be safe or not and I now know a lot more about my digestive system than I did before if something had gone wrong and there was medium to long-term effects is there stuff in the contract that means that you would be looked after you would be looked after if there was negligence but there rarely is negligence involved in drug trials. Australia's drug trial system is one of the least regulated in the world. And so the, the regulations only relate to ethics. So there's an ethical uh, committee put together before any of the trials occur. Um, if something did go wrong and it was negligent, yes, you've got all of those sort of legal comebacks. If it went wrong and it was just physical or some sort of uh, therapeutic thing, they would certainly look after you. They would give you all of the medical treatment and support that you required. I feel the system is quite safe. Having said that, there are examples from overseas where it has gone wrong, people have died, have been injured long term. That hasn't been the case in Australia yet and uh, I don't foresee that occurring because the ethical committees that are behind them are really looking to avoid that. Well, Ian Mannix, I'm with you. I was against you. I'm back with you. I just don't know how you've made me feel. But, <laughs> but there's, a, there's another element, Ali. I really think that there are not enough women nominating to be in these trials. Oh. So consequently, drugs that are related to women's health are not getting tested anywhere near enough. Yeah. Partly because the trial doctors themselves try to avoid any impact on possible pregnancies and there's a real dilemma about that but secondly women aren't as prolific or as uh, willing to get involved in these trials as men so I really want to encourage people like you to do it but maybe not on the same day that you're going on air. Yeah, well, Ian, as I look at Eddie Bannon and Shane Lowe, you're sure that there are not more women doing this just because they're smarter than men? Is that, is, <laughs> is that the scientific test that we've just proven right there? <laughs> hey, Ian Maddox, thank you so much. I mean, you always, you know, these little lads pop up or you can sometimes hear them on the radio. Um, but, yeah, thank you for taking us inside your profession confession and what it's like to actually um, do drug trials.
Yeah, I look forward to you, Eddie and Shane, doing one together. <laughs> oh, yes, I can imagine. Well, uh, thanks, Ian. Good on you. Okay. Well, we'll see how we go. I'm always really busy, so I can't <laughs> do that.